Oh, and Jacksonville has a horrible kicker as well. Without like being rude about it, but yeah, like they're um the, the thing. I is, don't think he's listening. I don't, <laughs> I don't think, think the I don't think the Jacksonville Jaguars kicker is listening or the fans. Episode 13 of Buffalo Bills Banter. I'm your host, Mark. With me always, David. How's it going? It's going great. So we're back from Ralph Wilson Stadium. We went yesterday to see the Battle of New York, the New York Giants versus the Buffalo Bills. I'd say overall kind of a sloppy game. Definitely a fun experience. Uh, but we're going to get kind of into that, maybe give a little bit of the fan experience and, of course, cover the game. We're going to then look ahead to next week and week five matchup against the Tennessee Titans. So... We'll cover that and whatever little news, injuries, and such, um, you know, like. So we're just going to dive right in. Uh, so yesterday, the Buffalo Bills dropped one at home to the New York Giants, 24-10. to 10 In it was at least a really sloppy game for the Bills. Uh, what were your kind of your initial thoughts about the game? They couldn't execute an offense whatsoever. They they couldn't finish. I mean, they, they, stopped, they were stopped on fourth down multiple times um, near the end of the game. The particular sequence where Tyler Taylor, they were going from fourth and one at the two, um, or third, it was third and one at the two, couldn't, or third and two at the six, excuse me, got one yard and then fourth and one couldn't get a yard, where they made plays that just moved laterally rather than moving downfield. So they couldn't, they couldn't score points. That was the one thing. And they were very undisciplined all game long just getting penalty after penalty after penalty, which doesn't help against any team. And um, special teams wasn't great either, so it's, you know, all fa- all facets of the game. Basically. I mean, they missed a, a field goal that was less than an extra point. So, you know, they left, like, if, if they went for, if they just kicked the, the field goal on third and one and assuming they would have got it, um, which obviously you can't assume, and they just executed a 30-yard field goal, they would have had six more points. They would have been down by eight. Um, in the final drive, instead of like being down by 14, maybe who knows? But they couldn't score anyway, so <laughs> just wasn't great. I think the tail of the tape again was penalties, and it's upsetting. 17 penalties for 135 yards. Once again, it's not the yardage total that is the most important. It's when the penalties happened. There was the Tyrod Taylor like 30-yard touchdown run late in the fourth quarter that could have very well brought that game. It would have brought the game within one score, and it was. An incredible run, but taken back by holding penalty, which was, after looking at the tape again, not necessarily a bad call. You know, at least the stadium atmosphere made you to believe that there were a lot more bad calls than there may have been. Um, I just think they were simply bad penalties. Uh, you also had the touchdown kind of really late in the game. Charles Clays was taken back um, by that one throw, but, you know, that was kind of in garbage time. The biggest was the illegal formation on the field goal, the uh, Josh Brown field goal for the Giants that gave them a new set of downs where they eventually marched in and Eli threw a touchdown pass to Ruben Randall. So that kind of just put the game out of reach, I would say. Mm-hmm. What do you think of Tyrod Taylor's performance? He was 25 for four, or sorry, 28 for 42, 274 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Not great. Not bad, not horrible, but just not great. You know, he's not like, it, it was weird. We were talking about it, how it's like, this is kind of a test where is he the type of quarterback that can make a vicious comeback? And they actually had momentum at one point in the game that kind of looked like they were driving, but they didn't. They ended up, for whatever reason, not getting points on one drive, got a touchdown on the other drive, and then didn't get points on the next one. 
they must have gone uh, to run, like Greg Roman chose to run the ball the first play of each drive so many times. I would say at least 90% of your drives. There was maybe a couple of exceptions, but and I just felt like they seemed predictable and they made a Giants defense which I don't think is as talented defense look like the better defense on the day. And also Carlos Williams not a number 1 running back yet. At the very least, like you can't, he's not a workhorse. I mean, he's still good, and he's a good complimentary piece, but clearly LaShawn McCoy was missed. So that kind of goes back into the injuries that we uh, had suffered this week. We didn't have LaShawn McCoy. We didn't have Sammy Watkins. I would say both of them were missed. Carlos Williams had not the game that I expected. If you guys listened to the podcast last week, I was maybe a little bit higher on him than uh, he may deserve to have been. Carlos Williams went 18 um, attempts for 40 yards with only an 11 yard run on the ground he did make one touchdown catch a 30 yard sorry 23 yard touchdown catch and added a couple other catches for a total of seven yards but all in all only 70 yards and he touched the ball well i guess ultimately 21 times so he was averaging you know far less than three and a half yards a carry so or about three and a half yards a touch and also woods and woods and harvin weren't able to get free too often they didn't, their their names weren't on the on the score sheet too much except for the fumble that Woods gave up. Yeah. Um so they were relying throwing on to tight ends to running backs. And Chris Hogan lot. had a decent game. He had five receptions for for 43 yards, but Charles Clay once again had over 100 yards. He does seem like kind of the focal point of that offense, but even the Charles Clay plays weren't the north south ones we were looking for. It seemed like they were kind of more lateral with the exception of that called back touchdown. So um just in general, in the passing game, off like it's usually the receivers that you're going to need to get those touchdowns. You're going to need the Sammy Watkins to get the touchdowns, and they couldn't punch it in. And they only got one touchdown. It's like the Kansas City syndrome. They couldn't punch it in either. They can't. They have no good receivers. When Sammy Watkins is out, Percy Harvin's the only good receiver, and he's not really a. It's it's kind of tough. It's like the receivers were easier to cover when you know it's just Percy Harvin. Robert Woods is not great, and it was easier to smother them and not allow them to get in the end zone. That was the biggest thing. It was kind of the penalties that definitely killed us in a couple big plays from the other team. Now, we there were some good things, for sure. Um, Odell Beckham Jr., I think, had his least productive game of the year, five receptions for 38 yards. Mm-hmm. Um, he was going up against both Stephon Gilmore and um, Ronald Darby, who is a rookie that I'm, I'm getting more and more confident and higher on each and every week. But Odell Beckham Jr. almost made a highlight real catch. Yeah, we had a discussion. We, we took a shuttle there uh, with some other Bills and actually as many Giants fans as there were Bills fans coming yeah. from the Toronto area. And I did have one discussion with one. He saw what I saw in that. Um, this is almost, I think, the third time this year that Odell Beckham Jr. almost recreated the catch. And every single time it's on the sidelines and every single time he either – he, of, he often catches it like he did this time, but he's far out of bounds. And in this particular play, compared to the other ones, it almost seemed like he could have made a possession catch, putting his feet down and making less gratuitous play to keep that in bounds. But he almost seems like he's trying to recreate that, and it's a bit of diva, uh, too diva for me. Yeah. Well, it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, Eli Manning played well. Eli is having a pretty good season. Um, we did have one interception late in the game. Oddly enough, when they could have just probably run the ball one more time on third down and then kick a field goal to make it a three-score game, if yep. they were trying to, whatever they're trying to do, whether it was confident, Stephon Gilmore did come away with an interception. Um, but the defense, I was watching the defensive line a lot today. I, you know, 
it's something you can always see on TV regardless, but I was curious just to kind of, you know, see how they attack. Um, and Marcel Darius and company, they just didn't put the pressure on that, you know, you would imagine they would. This defensive line has kind of underperformed, I would say. Yep. One sack or maybe two. Yeah, I believe it's one. It was one sack. So. Yeah, it was one sack. Yeah, it was just the one. And, um, also, not, more importantly, not too much pressure. Eli had enough time to make all the throws. He also made throws up down the middle. Safety didn't play that well. Like two of the touchdowns were throws that were strikes up the middle. It wasn't really sideline stuff. Yeah, um, your uh, boy Prince Amukamara made a made a fumble uh, recovery. Now this was another play that I wanted to just kind of touch upon. That um, now back to officiating. I didn't think the game was officiated all that well. There were a couple instances. Um, that I thought there were some poor calls. And I think this was one of them that got me was that when Robert Woods did have that catch, driving late, um, had a 30-yard catch, where he was held up for what seemed like almost, am I exaggerating if I say three seconds? I think that's almost fair. And there was just no whistle blown. And he was kind of pushing forward. You know, the idea, as long as the receiver is trying to push forward, you don't blow the whistle down. But it almost seemed like he was being pulled forward. And as, because uh, Prince Mukamara was ripping this fumble away, Naturally, he was pulling him towards the end where he was trying to rip the fumble, and that was towards the end zone. So it didn't seem like the forward, possession, the forward progression was being created by the receiver. I thought it should have been a blown whistle, and I thought that would have changed the landscape of the game. Mm-hmm. Well, it was just a minor. I mean, like, it depends. It's usually up to interpretation, but I, I mean, is the ref didn't blow the whistle. So there's not really much you can do about that. And um, other than the fact that he had the opportunity to, A, get out of bounds, which was more important at yeah. that time. The amount of yards he was fighting for was negligible because he was met immediately and then stripped. Obviously, he didn't really know he was going to get stripped, but I, he just should have got it out of bounds. And I think it's just another offensive execution error uh, on his part because I don't think he should have been in the position for this to be a call or not. And then they could have still had the drive. And again, I think it's just it's weird about the Greg Roman offenses. I just think they, they struggle to just punch it in at times because there was a time where, like, with Alex Smith, they got a lot of field goals but not a lot of touchdowns in his first year. And also, like, it seems like they're good at long strike touchdowns with, like, people like Kaepernick. And then now with Tyrod Taylor. But not really so good at executing in the red zone. I think that's uh, uh, safe to say. Now, there was that one time that they were they finally had the momentum. They got in the red zone. And they went for it on fourth down. Now, they left those points on the board. There was a Dan Carpenter missed field goal. So there were definitely points left on the board. But I didn't like the fourth down play. They went to um, Carlos Williams kind of on a swing who – with his forward momentum, couldn't get past a couple defenders. It just seemed predictable, as the offense did all day. That was a play I think we could have used LaShawn McCoy. And we kind of drifted away from that. Between LaShawn or Sammy Watkins, who was missed more? LaShawn McCoy, easily. You think so? Yeah. They ran on every down on first down. They could have easily done some things with a different type of running back. I think also the biggest play is that what their defense had a chance at one point to bring them back into the game after they scored it to get back in the game. They were down by six. And then Rashard Jennings, and then it was the missed tackle, and name escapes me right off the top of my head, but it's just like on the tip of my tongue, he missed that tackle. The, um, the Rashard Jennings long touchdown? Yeah. He missed the touch. There were two tackles because there was one missed, like right at like, almost the point of the catch, and then halfway down the field, he stiff-armed someone. I think it was Preston Brown that missed this, the tackle on the, on the it, side. It was like a safety. It was it? Was it? I think yeah. the safety was one who got stiff-armed. Regardless, yeah. that, was a, that play – Took the air right out of the stadium. Exactly. For a team known for defense, you can't have that to 
just immediately take away the yeah, it took away it took away the air it silenced the crowd an immediate two-point conversion but that doesn't really matter as much as the fact that it was a 51 yard touchdown grab and run and then by a player who i don't think is that talented shouldn't be scoring that much against you stiff arm aside that was still two missed tackles on the play one to get him i think behind the line and one to you know essentially save the save a touchdown and at least keep your team in it and we couldn't get tackle on either on Rashard jennings of all people like i don't think it's acceptable for this defense that is supposedly thinks it's one of the most elite of all time so one more last thing dan carpenter missed that field goal uh, it was a short one, less than the uh, length of an extra point. It was a bad day for kickers in general. It's like historically, I don't have this stat in front of me. One of the worst days in kicker history. And do you think this is like? Do you think the extra point rule is bleeding into the normal game? Like, do you think it's actually an added pressure for these players that's affecting them? And do you think Dan Carpenter deserves to be on this team? Was well, already missed. He missed an extra point previously. He's missed this. So. I mean, he made like a fifty-yarder in the previous week. I, like, it's I don't know. I think like I don't know. It seems like there's a lot of pressure on them now. Like, I think actually, when you look around the league, there's actually been a lot of worse performances. In particular, in Tampa Bay. In particular, in um, what was the other one? Tampa Bay, and there was another. There's well, another the Philadelphia Eagles have cut their quarterback, picked up another they one. Cut their they kicker part- and then have a horrible one. Josh Scobie missed. Josh and then Scob- Caleb Sturgis missed. Uh, Josh Scobie's cut. Oh, and Jacksonville is a horrible kicker as well, without like being rude about it. But yeah, like they're um, the the thing. I is, don't think he's listening. I don't, <laughs> I don't think the I don't think the Jacksonville Jaguars kicker is listening or the fans. But um, so the thing is, I don't think. And by the way, I see singular get the joke. Anyway, um, there's actually not that many good kickers out there as well. That's another problem about it. I actually think Dan Carpenter isn't the worst of the kickers, but that doesn't really matter to the the team that you're doing. Like there are some there are some free agent kickers out there. I just couldn't name them off the top of my head. Um, so there's always a next man up free agents and kickers. There are 40 people looking to do that job. I mean, 10 of them got fired in this past year so far. Yeah. So there's probably still a couple guys left. And I think, um, I think with Dan Carpenter, you just got to see what's left out there and see if you can pick someone else up, but it might be time for him to get a new scene, but he could cost you a game legitimately. If he, if he can miss, if he can miss the extra point distance, I think it's very, like he's done it multiple times in four games. That's the thing. It, he's safe right now, or he, at least he's been in the safe field now because he hasn't cost us a game. But he's done things that in a closer game would have cost them. And legitimately now, he can cost you a game after like tying the game to go to overtime or something like that. He can just cost you the game. So, yeah, I, I, don't, I honestly don't think – I wouldn't be surprised if, if, he's in, if we have a new kicker for next week. All right, so I think that's pretty much all on that game. Do you have any last thoughts before moving on? We're going to talk about the fan experience in just a, in a second. but No, but just one and two at home now. Not great for a, a supposedly great home team, which is what, what we were advertised. Yeah, I think I think it's alarming that we were three home games in. You know, we, we're you, like That means we have more away games ahead of us than we have home games left, right, by a significant mm-hmm. margin. So um, thankfully, we do have one in Jacksonville, which is a neutral stadium, which kind of helps. But regardless – it's it's not we're not the home defense powerhouse that we looked like in that very first week. So I think that first week, you know, um, myth of what we were against the Colts. We found out the Colts. You had a great point yesterday when you were walking out of the game. The Colts, that win looks less impressive now with what the Colts have been doing. The win against Miami looks less impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, I think the teams we've lost to um, are actually both decent. I think the Giants are actually looking much better. They could very well be 4-0. Exactly. Yeah. So um, 
The Patriots, g- obviously. Patriots, obviously. <laughs> that doesn't need to be said. But we're going to just kind of swing right into the fan experience. So my first time in Ralph Wilson, we took a shuttle bus. It was kind of like a crowdsource. It's called Rally Bus. It was overall an okay experience. But we went with a bunch of other people from the area. Bus picked up people from a few Ontario spots. First downtown Toronto, then Mississauga, Hamilton, then finally to the game. So we had a kind of a hodgepodge of fans we were with, some Giants, some uh, Bills fans, obviously. Some Broncos. So yeah, some, you know, those weird people wearing Broncos. There's an Aaron Rodgers and a Brady sitting beside each other. It's like, come on. And a Bronco. And a Manning. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So sorry. That was you know, Rodgers and not Brady. Rather, and Rodgers not, and... Not Eli Manning. Because I, I should admit that. So yeah. Uh, yeah, those weirdos that bring other jerseys to us. But overall, um, it was my first time. I've been through quite a few NFL games. The first time tailgating. Same for you, David. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So we got there early, kind of parked with all the other buses. Um, it was a fun experience. It uh, as a Giants wearing Jersey fan. There, did you experience anything that we talked about last week about kind of? There's one thing for playful jabs. There's another thing for like, you know, yeah, suge- nothing, nothing that bad. Uh, just you know little jabs uh and you know it's just the same thing if you ignore the person on the playground they're not gonna really do much after that so that's the type of that's the type of approach you should take if you're level-headed and there was actually a lot of giants fans there it makes a lot of sense uh it's a state same state so you know people that are halfway through between new york and buffalo which is actually quite a bit away i wouldn't really call it the battle of you new said york. it was about eight wait eight hours away well battle so, new york because it's the same state it's just, yeah so, like, people halfway through, there are probably a lot of Giants fans all around the area. There will be Giants fans that obviously travel from New York to Buffalo with any game. And um, and we, talk, we talked about this earlier, too, in Toronto. There's probably more Bills fans than anything, but Giants are probably a popular team in Toronto. Like, the Bills do not make up the lion's share of uh, NFL Toronto fans. I think Giants, with their success in recent years, they are one of the more popular teams' big markets. So, um, I think that's why the makeup of the bus was the way it was. Um Stadium experience, we sat in the nosebleeds, row 32, only two rows behind us, um, sitting about a 15-yard line. We also seemed to sit in this, the area where a lot of Giants fans thought. Oh, surrounded by Giants fans. I was getting a little bit uh, rambunctious closer to the end, and I looked around. I'm like, you know what? I don't have that much backup, so I should probably be careful. But I was going to say, generally, it was a good viewing experience. I've sat in the nosebleeds at other stadiums, and this was by far the best view I had of the of the field and i thought that you know it was definitely a somewhere where i would feel comfortable going again wearing another jersey i just kind of wanted to put that to rest because um i don't know how many listeners we have or if anyone was offended by the comments i was saying yesterday or last week rather but you know i thought the bills fans were um cordial and it was a great viewing experience yep there was i i, I enjoyed it quite thoroughly and the atmosphere is pretty good when the bills were actually like in the they had that they had, they had points in the game where they had a lot of momentum so you wasn't you weren't really robbed of it. It wasn't like that Miami game last week where the, the entire stadium was silent for basically most of the game. Yeah, there was there were points where the Bills fans were really into it, especially at the beginning, obviously, but then in, in the middle and as well. I would have to say in the middle too, like on third downs, on on big third downs and stuff, you did have the standing up, the the cheering, like good crowd noise, especially for you know a stadium that was maybe only seventy percent Bills fans. I thought, like you know, they did their due diligence and they were never taken out of the game. We were never really behind more than two scores, but. I thought it was it was a lot of fun. Yep, I agree. Yeah, so I think um, we're going to look quickly at um, next week's game against Tennessee. Uh, we're traveling to Tennessee. From yep. a, I think is it. I want to check quickly, but it's a four it o'clock. Is, it's game. at Tennessee, but it's a four o'clock game. Uh, it's a one o'clock game, I believe. 
Okay, so I'm actually going to miss a bit of that, but I'll join you. You'll be over at uh, my place um, for Maybe Thanksgiving. Four. Maybe four. I, yeah, I, might, I might check. I think we might be okay. But regardless, I think this is a good matchup to have right before going into a bye, if I'm not mistaken. Are we? Actually, no, no, we're not because then we're facing the Bengals after. Then the bye? I'm going to quickly take a look at the schedule. Um, don't mind me. But what do you think of our thoughts going to Tennessee? Tennessee has been a feisty team. They've played a lot of good teams tight. All right, so one part of it is that they're playing – so they play the Giants actually in one of the worst – well, not a worst, but like there's favorable, favorable circumstances in this schedule for any other team. And one of those is having 10 days rest. So playing a Thursday game and then playing a Sunday game, that that means the team is more rested, have more time to prepare. So the Giants had that advantage. Now they're playing against a team with the two weeks rest because they had a bye week this week. Yep. At home. Bye week at home, road dog, home dog is never a good sign. They're going to be, they're going to, the Bills are probably going to be favored. Um, so I actually think they're not really in a good situation because I actually think the Titans will be, the Titans have a lot, a lot of things going for them. They have Marcus Mariota, who's played really well, actually. He played well in the Colts game. He played well in the first game. Um, and I think the, the Titans aren't that bad. They aren't a team that should be taken lightly. They'll be at home. The fans will be pretty excited. I think they've only played one of their home games. And the Bills are better, though. The Bills are a better team, in my opinion. They're better on defense. They're better. They have a better cons- – eh, their offense is compared to their offense. doesn't really matter. Their offense compared to the Titans' defense is a better matchup than the Titans' defense to the Bills' defense. The Titans' offense, excuse me, to the Bills' defense. So I think the Bills are better. But there are enough circumstances, and the Rex Ryan teams are not disciplined enough. You've seen this. They don't execute well. This is a problem, and if – this could easily be a trap game that some Bills fans will think will be an easy game. It, I don't necessarily bl- buy into that. Yeah, but. and because of that, I'm going to quickly – it is a 1 o'clock game. It yeah. is, And our buys – after that, we have a couple more games before a buy Bengals, and then we have the London game and Jags and a buy. So um, excuse me for that. But I'm just going to give over the Titans um, record so far because, you know, we're coming to the point. It's no, no longer week one or two. It's not that everyone knows the scores of every game. So we did um, – they did beat the Buccaneers at, on the road. 42 to 14. That was Marcus Mariota. Four touchdowns in one half. Um, looks very impressive. They then dropped one to the Browns in Cleveland. Uh, that was obviously probably the worst game of the year. Um, and then they played the Colts really tight. They lost by two, 35 to 33 in work week three. They're now obviously on the bye. Um, that game, I didn't watch too much of it, but many say it was potentially one of the, the games of the year. Um, Andrew Luck with a big comeback. But the Titans obviously have. You know, a competent quarterback who's one of those that seems like he can have a performance that could, you know, win a game. Granted, he did that against a Bucks defense, who are a much better defense. But I think we need to, you know, know that yes, we are playing a rookie quarterback, but we are playing a well-rested team at home who's coming off like a one of those losses that you think a team can get fired up after, right? Mm-hmm. Losing one to a divisional rival, the Colts, like that, having two weeks to prepare. So, like as I said, the Bills should be favored and are a better team. But this is like survivor pools. Don't pick the Bills. Yeah, bet I would not. I would not bet on this game. I, if I were to, if I were to bet, I'd bet on the Titans. Uh, as, assuming they're dogs. You're a big fan of after bye week teams, aren't you? <laughs> no, you picked the. Ja- Remember you picked the Jaguars at one time. Yeah, yeah exactly you? against the Titans. Ironically, ironically. but um, yeah, the tit- I, This is a, this has a lot of this is a lot of makings of a trap game because also the Bengals are a good team, right? So the Bengals would be a team that they would. Uh, some people say, oh, they're gonna get ahead of themselves and think about the Bengals because that's gonna be like premier matchup of sorts so like again this has the the makings of a trap game and i think it's going to be a good test to see if they can just come in and win on the road which they've done before but on the road against an inferior team but not a, like a 
incompetent team. And we'll see how it goes. I do think the the Bills should win. Yeah, maybe it actually could be like the way that they played Miami. They win this game. They could start to gain the confidence of maybe a road a road warrior team. Exactly. Which is actually good to kind of have that um, swagger going to other team stadiums. I honestly think that uh, Sammy Watkins and Lashawn McCoy do need to get healthy. I think they will play in this game. Um, I'm hoping. I'm obviously not a doctor, but I think. Their rest, you know, they need this game off, yes, because they were hurt, but I think the coaches as well saw the, you know, the impact them not being on the field had for the team and uh, hopefully get everything we can done to get them on the field as quick as possible. So I think we're going to move on to our pick quickly for that game. What do you think is going to be the score of the Tennessee Titans game next week? I think the score will be... 23-20 Bills. 23-20 Bills. I am going to say that it's going to be 17-13. I'm, not, I'm a lot less confident in, our, confident in our offense after this past week. I think, though, Tennessee is probably, you know, the Giants weren't a monster uh, defense. We couldn't move the ball against them that well. It's going to be tough against a well-prepared team that's got two weeks of tape to watch. I don't think we'll be able to move the ball much, but I don't think – a rookie quarterback has much of a chance against our defense. I do have a lot of faith in our defense, despite the performance they put on just yesterday. Well, Sunday for those who are listening to this midweek. But yeah, I think uh, anything else before we move on to close? I don't. All right. So we're just going to wrap up. I just wanted to thank everyone for tuning in this week. Uh, This is obviously Buffalo Bills Banter, weekly uh, source for all your Bills talk and news. We are hosted by CoveringTheSpread.ca. Really exciting things. We talked about it last week. I'm even more proud and excited to say that the site has kind of been redone. Uh, we've moved away from our sports blog kind of hosting, which, you know, we did enjoy that community, but we're kind of a little bit more independent now. We have that a little bit more of a professional look. So definitely check out CoveringTheSpread.ca. covers all sports. It is really NFL heavy right now. So uh, tune in. This is obviously if you got to this podcast from there. Thanks for viewing. Um, subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, any podcast app you use. Leave um, feedback, ratings, reviews. Um, or of course tweet us you could tweet me at cts sports blog david how can we reach you at dtray90 d-e-e tray90 and thanks again the bills make me wanna shout. kick your heels up and shout. throw your hands up and shout. throw your head back and shout. come on now the bills are making it happen now stand up now come on and shout yeah 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 shout it right now baby Come on, come on, say